Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, a special pre-Christmas edition. Just jamming this in right before the Christmas holiday starts. I guess Hanukkah is just in a couple of nights, so if you celebrate that, happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa's the day off, I guess. Come on, we, we you know, I, I don't know anybody who celebrates Kwanzaa. Uh, but if you do it, enjoy it, great. Uh, I am Jim Garrity, like quite. Mickey, how are you doing as we head into the holiday season? I have just been so elfin busy. <laughs> and you yeah, like that? thank you for keeping it clean um uh-huh. absolutely i have been very busy as is everyone i think kind of leading up to this year i felt like christmas kind of once again you know you get that thanksgiving the christmas break and it's like boom you're there now i will tell you this i for one time in my life actually have the majority of my shopping done before the 23rd wow so write that down write it down that's and, a- and i would like I would like to thank Santa Amazon for that. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, I've been seeing the Amazon trucks and various other delivery guys going around the neighborhood, to, you know, several times a day. You hear the clump on your front step, and then the, and you know, I guess that's the official Amazon delivery knock. Four of them, you know. Oh, I need but, you to understand that at our house, yeah, there's no knocking because the minute they step on the, there's like a, a bridge that kind of walks up to our front deck. And then to the deck itself, the minute they hit that bridge, Shiloh goes insane. <laughs> and then they don't knock. And often they won't even come to the top of the stairs. They'll just sit at the bottom of the stairs and then run back to their trucks. They hear so this dog. It's it's like, Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm not saying that Mr. Bias and I have sat in the corner and watched them run back. I'm just saying that it does happen apparently. Uh. All right. So actually, that's a very good segue. We have a lot of Christmas stuff, but I, I had this thought pop in my head, and I just needed to. It, Mickey was exactly the right person to bounce this off of. This I off always. All right, Mickey. Our old friend Beto O'Rourke no longer running for president. How thrilled do you think he is to see the trailers and the now released Cats? Mm, I don't know. Connection, because you know, a guy who's into furries. <laughs> Taylor Swift bouncing around, <laughs> singing and dancing, looking all sultry, all kinds of you know, big Hollywood actresses. Oh <laughs> my God! I hadn't even thought about the furry contingency. It'll do real well. Right. I mean, so I, I probably will not see it. Uh, everyone who—it's as if everyone who go, went to see an early screening entered a contest to write who could write the most scathing denunciation of this film. Look, I don't know why you have to see it for that. I saw the trailer. That's enough. I've seen the play. I know the story. I'm familiar with the songs. I don't have the slightest idea why they thought this was necessary to make into a major motion picture. So, I mean, look, I'm sure probably the idea of turning this into a film has been kicking around since it was at the at the Winter Garden Theater in, in New York City. <laughs> I grew up, you know, not too far from New York City. We saw the ads. It was commercials around all the time, or at least that's how I right. remember. Um, what I think is strange, Mickey. So this this is, you know, it really is a big cast of, you know, Idris Elba, uh, uh, Judy Dench, Taylor Swift, as we mentioned. Jen Hudson. Uh, right? Jennifer so, Hudson, yeah. Yeah. So here's the question. These are all talented people. And like, if it was just them singing, we'd probably be like, oh, you know, that's a really good cast. Um, how, how do you think they didn't know that it was turning into this? I assume they saw each other. And upon seeing each other's makeup, I feel like that should have been a moment where they're like, hey, maybe we should take a step back. 
is it makeup or CGI, right? Is it the sort of thing where, like, they felt like, oh, you know. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. What I do know is, as I believe I may have even mentioned this to our listeners before, but I will tell you this. Um, it terrified me. And again, I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar with all of it. You guys know I love serial killers. I love thrillers. Give me a murder mystery every day. That cat trailer, that was nightmare material right there. Yeah. So I mean, they they practice every day. They rehearse. They got dressed. They saw it, and yet they still released it. Yeah, yeah, they're all committed to it. I'm sure at some point they would. Can you imagine how much this must have cost to make? Right. You know, they have to build the sets, and then you got to do CGI on basically everybody. I'm sure some of this is. Uh... Well, and is this Taylor Swift's like first movie movie too? I, I figured you being our resident expert would know that because my off the top of my head, I don't remember. I don't even remember her even really doing any cameos, right? No, I'm pretty sure this is like her first and obviously an interesting choice. But um, it does make me wonder if part of it was like they had specific people in mind when they decided to roll with us. Like we're going to get Jennifer Hudson. We're going to get Taylor Swift. And then it doesn't really Oh, Ian McKellen, right? I'm mean, like, these are all, you know, the, you know, well-known actors, well-established, and you know, other than Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift is like one of the biggest music stars in the world. Maybe they all just look and said, "There's no way this can go wrong." Fair, <laughs> but maybe they didn't. Maybe they underestimated how irritated the world is with Taylor Swift right now. Oh, like, is that what it is that she's she's passed her sell-by date in terms? She's overhyped. To her? me, she has. Yeah. Uh, she has passed her sell-by date because, as you know, I, I became a fan during the 1989 era of Taylor Swift, and now oh, no, I the feel album, like not the year. she hasn't been around. Yes, that long. yes, yes. The album, not the year, and now here we are, going on six years later, and she is still singing songs about being in high school, which I don't even think she ever even went to regular high school. So it's weird, and I don't like it. So I would like to see her, much like I have <laughs> with other artists, I would like to see them take a break regroup, figure out who they are as an adult, and continue. Yeah, I see. The irony, so you think about, oh, you know, this is a person who's popular for music stepping into the acting realm. Um, there was, uh, look, this probably won't be quite as bad as Mariah Carey's Glitter. Oh. <laughs> right? My friend Christiana still hates me for making her watch that movie. <laughs> um, didn't Britney Spears do some sort of... Yes, you know, Crossroads. Verbal? All right, mm-hmm. there, I knew you'd know that. Um, yep, Brittany Smith. Like, yes, this is by far not even close to the first one who's tried to do a crossover. Although, interestingly enough that you should mention this, today I'm in my car doing my elfin business, and who comes on my, because I listen to an old hip-hop station, if you will, and Good Vibrations comes on by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Oh, there you go. Like the perfect example of a guy. Exactly. Who, you know, and I'm like, God, his, his chin, right? I died. Yeah, like, I was listening to the words because it's been a minute since I've you know, really paid a lot of attention. And it's all about being drug free. So put the crack up. <laughs> He's not into D-R-U-G-G-I-N-G. See, so the whole song, I never even realized it was an anti-drug song. One, let's start there. It's a there. clean living song. Mom yeah, it is. It's okay. good vibrations. And of course, as I'm seeing this, I'm picturing the what, like, I think it was like 17, 18-year-old Marky Mark then who was like hip-hopping around with his underwear hanging out. And this was long before he became Mark Wahlberg, the respected actor. And it's just like that transition over the last 25 years for him may be bigger than most. I just suddenly realized, Mickey, 
we, we now are at the stage. So, and by the way, was he one of the, the new kids on the block as well? No. He is was, Donnie Wahlberg's little brother. Donnie okay, was so a new Donnie kid on the was block. part of the new kids on the block. Okay. Yes. And then Marky Mark got his own deal, and it was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, because he was a dancer for the most part. And they went out and did good vibrations, and literally the rest is kind of history. All right. I want to go back in time to, let's say, I'm going to guess 94, let's say sometime in the early to mid-90s. And I want to get Marky Mark. And I want to get Jenny McCarthy, who was then the uh, the the bodacious blonde on, was it TV's remote control? It was some sort of program where she was basically the Vanna White for the... MTV. Yeah, it was like remote control, and then she got the Jenny McCarthy show. Okay. And, you know, at that point, she's just kind of this perfect California bimbo, and he's this, you know, you know Boston tough guy who does, you know, breaks out in these dance moves and all kinds of stuff. They're and not married. Say, He's married. She's married to the brother that was in New Kids on the Block. Wait, really? I thought it was, I thought it was Marky Mark. Oh, no, you're right. No, it's, it's okay. Donnie, the one, who, the one who got his acting break by playing the crackhead in Six Sense. Okay, because he also uh, is, he's been on Blue Bloods for about a bazillion years. And yes, then, and he it, ultimately was in Band of Brothers as well. But his first real like solid oh wait he might actually be able to act was him playing the I, I guess heroin addict or whatever that attacked Bruce Willis in Six okay, Sense. Okay, because my sneaking suspicion was that when they cast him for Blue Bloods, they said, "Hey, um, did you see The Departed?" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You know how your brother was just like this really awesome, sarcastic, <laughs> tough cop? Yeah, we'd kind of like you to play your brother. Yes, That's, we'd uh, like that. Do what he did. We we can't afford him, but you're unemployed right now. So you, you, you're you the next best thing we can get. And I feel so. like if we're going this deep into it, then it absolutely necessary has to be a, to bring up Entourage. Because they made an entire show about these people. Yes, and it's very clear who... Um, who is who? Let's just put it that brother Playing the brother of the famous actor. I mean, yes, Matt Dillon. Um, weirdly meta on all that. But, uh, oh, it, it's exceptionally meta. It's all very, very meta and absolutely incredible. But yeah, when you think about that transition, like I said, that came on the radio today and I died because it just I had this flash of like his career of the last 25 years. And I'm like, and I wonder what he thinks when he hears that. I was going to say, who could have looked back to the 90s and looked at these figures and said, oh my goodness, they're going to rise to the, the height <laughs> of culture and... Uh, Jenny McCarthy will kill people because of her advocacy of telling people not to get vaccines. Right, um, right. You know, 10 <laughs> most dangerous people in the world, Jenny McCarthy is somewhere in those top 10. Oh, people without a doubt. die because of what she's advocated. But so, now um, their family also has a reality show, The Wahlburgers, about their, like, family little restaurant. Yeah, and she there. is one of the judges on The Masked Singer, which is one of the best rated shows on TV right now. And I just hope everyone who's competing has had their shots. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shake hands with Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> not healthy, not healthy on many different levels. Anyway, just like our, just like our obsessions with '90s pop culture. Anyway, so that was my reaction to Cats. Was mm-hmm. that this is the most like, like because I think, and again, Taylor Swift, a couple of other actresses, and you know, maybe Idris Elba, right? Who's you know, I love him, Lady Swoon. I love him. All playing themselves sexually, and they're cats. <laughs> that just kind of like, ah, just not there. Hey, um, that's my that's my Christmas thought for everyone. Cats is uh, for furries. Good, good on, now. Did anything good on Netflix lately? <laughs> oh, nice, very nice. You know, I live and die on Netflix for the most part. Um, and I I find it very sad when like a new serial killer or a new true crime 
um, thing pops up on Netflix and one of my followers or peeps comes up and says, will send me a message and be like, hey, Mickey, thought about you. And I'm like, oh, shit, already watched it. Ah. But yeah, like I realized that I have a real brand of being into the dark and disturbed and I've lived way up to it. So I'm going to bring you guys something totally different. It is called okay. Mary Happy Whatever. And what it is, is an actual sitcom. And it's starring Dennis Quaid. Um, she, he's really about the only actor. Uh, Ashley Tisdale's in it as well. But very, I don't know how many of you would remember her, especially after the nose job. Oh, um, she was a starlet for about 10 minutes, wasn't she? Correct. Yes, yes. Well, she's in this as well. And the rest of the cast is a bunch of pretty much unknowns, um, at least to me. However, it's really interestingly done. And it is on Netflix. It's broken up. I think there's eight episodes total. And it's all about um, a family at Christmas. One child comes in from California. The daughter comes in, brings her new boyfriend. Dennis Quaid is the father. They're big Eagles fans. It almost feels like someone wrote this based on their own family, by the way. Mm -hmm. Because there are moments in this where I laughed so hard I had tears coming down. And then there were moments in it where it was so saccharine sweet it made my stomach hurt. I didn't like it. So it was really weird because I went back and forth with it. It was – in truth, the entire arc of the story was really, really good. Like from beginning to end, it was a nice little story. And it starts out like before Christmas, leading like the activities leading up to Christmas, all the way through New Year's and following this little family. And like I said, it's it's cute. It's funny. It's definitely something um, not necessarily for the kids. But if you're like mid-level adult and you're sick of Hallmark movies, this is a good one. I was going to say, I've noticed a little bit of almost, you know, quasi-traditional programming. Uh, I saw Dennis Leary was doing a kind of family sitcom over on Fox for the you know, folks around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's this This may very well be kind of the future of sitcoms, um, considering the number of times we've seen shows that started strong. Maybe they had a good concept, that good first initial story idea, and then it didn't. And then things kind of, they, you clearly didn't have very much of an idea of, of how to develop. Maybe limited series sitcoms are, are the next big thing. I know um, that I can't watch sitcoms now. So for me to sit down and watch this, it was because I knew I had an end. Okay. Beginning, middle, end, which I thought for, was great. For everyone Googling, before we started taping, Mickey, you told me it was called Happy Merry Whatever. No, it's Merry Happy Whatever. Merry Happy Whatever. All right, very good. So I, I can... I can uh, I, I may uh, peruse that. Uh, the the Garrity household a couple weekends ago went to watch Klaus, K-L-A-U-S. Um, and I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it. It was the, it's animated. Uh, it's, it feels like a very old fashioned, the, the kind Disney used to do. What does that mean? <laughs> All right. So, um, well, besides the live action remakes, which are generally kind of horrifying and, and you mm. know. Um, Never speak of those. Cash grabs and all that kind of stuff. Um so it is the story. Klaus is the story of a ne'er-do-well mailman. May I stop father... you for one second? Sure. I only want to clarify this because you were talking about the live action films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is pertinent due to the time of year. All of those remind me of like Disney on ice. Ah. <laughs> like, and so like I, I, I'm not a fan of Disney on Ice. I'm not a fan of the live reaction remakes, but I just wanted to kind of slide that in. We hadn't really talked about it, but I realized that that's one of the problems I have with the live action is it, it feels like they're faking it. Yeah. All of those direct to video uh, offer sequels that they made throughout the nineties and such. <laughs> I mean, look, 
let's keep in mind Disney has a wonderful track record besides even before they owned all of pop culture including including Star Wars and Marvel and all that stuff but not Marvel friends. would go out and create something I mean so you know Disney would go out and create something and say do you remember that classic movie you loved here's something that's kind of like that <laughs> not exactly but real close the characters you love with different voice actors and cheaper animation Coming straight to video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like 147 Dalmatians, I think, that are yeah. available and, on straight to video. Um, so and so if you if you miss, let's say the pre, maybe not even like the, the pre-1970 Disney stuff, <laughs> you know, Lady and the Tramp. Jesus Lord, Jim. Really? Right. I, mean, like, it, it I don't really know that you're old. selling this the way that you want to be. No, because, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I, because a lot of that was very musically driven. Yeah. Is this? It is uh, intermittently musical. It's not stopping the action every few seconds for it. Um, it is about, like I said, about this uh, this ne'er-do-well young mailman who has a, his father's very wealthy. His father seems to own the postal service. It's clearly taking place in some sort of, it's taking place in generic Europia. Okay. Um, some, and the time period appears to be like the late 1800s, early 1900s, but it's kind of safely generic. Um, Jason Schwartzman is the voice of this guy. His dad's disappointed in him, and he thinks he's going to get fired from his, you know, latest lou- screw up at the uh, the postal company. His dad says, "No, we're sending you to the most remote island we can um, in in clearly almost Scandinavian Norway, but you know, but totally not frozen. Um, and it's this the world's worst worst village. And when you've delivered five thousand letters in that you know terrible frozen North village, then you're allowed to come home." So you already have your premise, right? He hates mm-hmm. to go there. It is the, you know, furthest reach, you know, uh, of the whole wide world. This old fishing village and nobody likes each other. And apparently there's been this, you know, Montague Capulet fight going on in town for generations. And everybody in town hates each other, right? Everybody in town actively tries to kill each other as often as possible. Which is a lot of, you know, we- joyful weirdness. Um, okay. It's the most miserable place you could possibly end up. The only thing that gives it you know, I'm a, sorry, a, where did this turn into a Christmas movie? Because so far you've gotten the sure. son getting kicked out of his house. Yeah. Getting sent to basically the Siberia of that time period. Yes. To deal with an entire town that is trying to kill each other? Correct. Uh, Joan Cusack plays the voice of the matriarch of one of the two families. Who oh, is, that sounds know, fantastic. Right? She, yeah, she always brings it, you know. Um. But the only thing, there's this old hermit who lives in the woods. And he's big and jolly, but no, he doesn't talk to anybody. And so he, you know, he said, so well, the, the mailman's like, okay, I got to go out and see if he's got any mail. And it turns out this guy's a toy maker. You can start to see the pieces starting ah, to come together. Ah, okay. Loss is the story of, you know, it, it's like reimagining how the story of Santa Claus got started. Um, it is very kid-friendly. Um, this, this, uh, hapless mailman is kind of your, um, he's a little bit of a shyster, a uh, little bit of a, a guy who's, you know, always trying to get out of it. And he, his first instinct is he wants to get out of this town as quickly as possible. He hates mm-hmm. the place. And then bit by bit, when he starts, you know, he, he accidentally brings a note from one miserable kid who's, who's very unhappy. And of course, Klaus sees this letter and, and thinks it's for him. And he sends the boy a toy. And you're, you know, ah. of course, the door is locked, so the mailman has to go in through the chimney. You can start to see all these pieces of the story of Santa Claus come together. Oh, um, 
Right. It, it is, and it, you know, it, it's sweet, but not cloying. Like, does uh, it make my stomach hurt? Because I will tell you, like, there were moments during that sitcom I just recommended that while super funny and edgy at times, it also would take you like, and I think part of it was because it felt very real is why it felt super saccharine. <laughs> Um, but that, that I'm not down for super saccharin, so you should warn us if that's the case. Yeah, no, this is this is I'd say medium saccharin. Uh, okay. There is a and part of the fun is how the, all the familiar parts of the story of Santa kind of get created on the fly by the way this mailman re- is responding to whatever's around him. And see, the I fun- think that's fun. Like it's yeah. almost like a, I and I get now why you like it because it's Santa's origin story. Exactly. And uh, for example, there's a rotten kid who's always throwing snowballs at him. And so he's supposed to deliver it. He realizes which kid's house it is. And he says, oh, I'm not giving you this. I'm putting, I'm going to put coal in your stocking, kid. How do you like that, huh? You know, so he does that. The kid comes back and starts complaining. It's like, hey, you said this old man would give us toys if we wrote letters. So finally, uh, so the bailman says, oh, you know what? He knows you're a rotten kid. Uh, he knows you throw snowballs at me. He's like, well, how, do you, how, do you, how does he do it? Oh, he knows, buddy. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, right? And he taunts them and he says, you're on the naughty list. <laughs> so sudden, starts let, let me ask you a question here, yeah. Jim, because you seem to have really enjoyed this movie. What was it about Claus? Was it because Claus was not like a super nice person and wasn't like all into the holidays initially and he kind of warmed up? Like, Almost like a Christmas Carol, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, Claus doesn't speak a lot at the beginning, but when he does, okay. he is voiced by J.K. Simmons. Oh. So at any given moment, you're like, you know, I create the toys. At Farmers, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing. <laughs> or two. I love J.K. so much, though. So there's this, you know, a little bit of crankiness to him, and of course he gradually warms with it. it is, so that's why you like him because you and, and our listeners may not realize this. You you come across as very gruff to people at times, not really? to me, but to others, and you know it. Um, but in reality, you're like this big, huge teddy bear. So I think that that's part of it. Oh, thank you, Mickey. I, yes. you know, I try not to. You know, what it is is that you and Dave, but he was doing the show with us also. You guys have heard me deal with phone salesmen. Oh um, yeah. And I apparently, whatever nice guy image I thought I had, apparently I've been cultivating it that much. Um, <laughs> you know. No, I think that you do have a nice guy image. I just think that you you know this to be true, that I think that you're seeing some of yourself in this, and that's nice. Like, and I think that there's probably a lot of people who would feel that same self reflection. Yeah. Of you, it's hard to get in the Christmas spirit sometimes initially, right? And then you build up to it. Very much. Actually, it's a very good way of putting it. And also, all of these characters, like, they have to earn their way to to feeling uh, the Christmas spirit or, or however you want to call it. it, it you know, it, it, it earns, it, it, Klaus earns itself. Um, and you know, there are a lot of cheesy fly, you know, fly-by-night cookie-cutter Christmas uh, specials and stuff. We, you know, we've, we've done our, our rant. By the way, um, I'll be doing, uh, yesterday I did three editions of the, the Editor's Podcast uh, for one, I'm going to talk about our all-time favorite Christmas entertainment. Um, oh. So I listed um, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I mm-hmm. insert is a is a documentary. <laughs> uh, every once a, you know once a year, you know, I turn to my son with a giant ball of Christmas lights that have all wound up. And say, Russ, uh, straighten this out. You know. <laughs> um, well, we're going this, and of course, my boss, Rich Lowry, who is perfect in all ways and all kind of stuff, but he says. My favorite is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Mickey. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Did he know, he know what he had done? 
Right, but listeners to this, and I, I'm not going to argue with my boss. It is well done. And we've discussed in, in a couple podcasts, you know, look, it's extremely memorable. It's extremely unusual that the whole dentist, Herbie, Yukon Cornelius and all that kind of stuff. But as you and I have pointed out, boy, does Santa get off, you know, get off easily considering what a jerk he is throughout the entire two first minimum first two thirds. Uh, mm-hmm. So did you hold yourself together? I held my tongue. Uh, I'm not going to argue with the boss on, on this one. Particularly See, if now, it's his childhood favorite. And all now that. is the time where you say to me, Mickey, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Mickey, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Elf. It's not I, even close. It's not, not even surprised. No. And it's not, and I mean it, like it, it's not even close. Like it's Elf and then way, way, way under Elf is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. So you mm-hmm. do have a sweet, a, a sweet and sentimental side to yourself. <laughs> deep, deep you know, down. it's funny because if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, it definitely falls in line with all of the things that I kind of like. You know, the mm. whole supernatural aspect dark. Yeah. of it. A little dark, right? Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. is extremely dark for a good chunk of that movie. But, right. you know, you have to go through uh, – oh, boy, here's, here's a metaphor for a lot of things. You have to go through that darkness in order to appreciate the light at the end. Oh, look at you. You're like a philosopher today. That's fantastic. You must be getting in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> uh, Let me ask you this, Jim. Mm-hmm. As a child, was there ever anything that you wanted so badly and, like, couldn't wait for Christmas to come? And you would ask Santa for it, and you got up Christmas morning, and it was there. So, uh, it's funny. Somebody had asked me this recently, and... The short answer is people ask you, what's your greatest Christmas present? You know, mm-hmm. there, look, there were a lot of years, you know, I, I was I was blessed in a lot of ways. Uh, family, brother, uh, two grandmothers who would often be around. But one year, I'd say I'm going to say like sometime mid to late 80s. I collected G.I. Joe's, tra- Star Wars, Transformers, all that kind of stuff. But I'm shocked. You know, probably we're, we're around the same age. So maybe you may recall. And then again, you're you know, maybe, was, maybe this wasn't as big in your circles being a girl and all. <laughs> Um, G.I. Joe had the USS Flag aircraft carrier toy. Okay. Which, which at the time cost, I believe, $100, which was like, in our minds, you know, you might as well have said a, a billion, jillion, hillion. Right, exactly, I yeah. I know, like 100 bucks was a lot of money to spend on a toy, you know, both both now and back then, uh, for if my sons decide to listen to this one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I, I mentioned it, but I was like, okay, I know we're not getting it, you know. Um, come down the stairs, uh, and, and there's this giant box and the box was like four feet tall by like five feet. It was just, it was just massive. Right. Um, now my dad was in the Navy and so my, my, and he had served Mm. on aircraft carriers. And so my sneaking suspicion was like, that looks like fun for me too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It took us two to three days to assemble it. Right. It comes in these, these, you know, it's six feet long, build it under the tree, right in the middle of the living room. I don't know if my parents were, you know, expecting to get into that. Um, and then had to uh, uh, take it up to the stairs to the playroom, and pieces are falling off and breaking off. But we played that thing for years. And of course, no, yes, we played aircraft carrier stuff, but of course, then we had the Transformers coming in and Star Wars spaceship. You know, when you're a kid, all your toys get mushed together into all this kind of crazy stuff. Oh, so. very, very much so. so any, anything that jumps to your mind as a sense of like, ah, well, you know. Christmas yes, and it's so funny that yours was related to G.I. Joe as mine was related to Barbie. Oh. Um, and I wanted the Barbie dream house, like who didn't want the Barbie dream house. But I, like you, saw the price tag on the Barbie dream house and thought, oh, my God, that cost a million, million, trillion dollars. I'm never going to get a Barbie dream house. But I really, really wanted one. 
And um, I came out one Christmas and it was one of the few things that was not wrapped. My mom would wrap every single thing, but the Barbie dream house was not. It just had a bow on top of it because they had put it together mm. so that it was already standing. But so that when I came out, I saw it and I swear, I thought I was going to faint. I was so excited. And to this day, that is by far my favorite Christmas memory. And again, of a toy, not like hanging with your family, blah, blah, blah. People were trying to lecture me. Um, but it was the idea of coming in and seeing that. Now, we had a tradition in our house that was, and we continue it to this day, my sister and I do, uh, dealing with the stockings. We wrap every single thing that goes into the stocking. And then we sit down with our coffees in the morning. And before we do anything else, everyone op- takes a turn opening a present from their stocking until they're empty. Mm. You know, I was Christmas say, lasts all day at our house, but wow, it is a big deal. It's but it's deal. a really good way to like just sit there and hang out, and like everyone kind of enjoys it, and it's not just a frenzy of like throwing paper. Yeah, there are a lot of houses where stockings are just kind of like they're they're the afterthought presents of ah, yes. you know, here's your they're the hors d'oeuvre presents, they're the stocking stuffers, you know, they're kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, yeah, and then. We take a lot more care with our stocking stuffers. One of the big things, I assume you did this too, is like if you opened up your stocking and there were batteries in there, Ooh, oh my you, God. Knew- <laughs> you knew something good was coming. You didn't know what it was, but you knew something good was coming. As you were describing the Barbie dream house and, and the joy of finding it pre-assembled, I mean, I was trying to think about Mickey, what were the three worst words in uh, the 1980s? And, and maybe you could work in some reference to Milken or something. But obviously it was some assembly, assembly required. required yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that thing came in a million pieces. Sometimes they had to break it off the plastic, you know. Uh-huh. It's just, you know. Oh, I I mean, we when we used to get, do you remember getting like train tracks and race car tracks and you'd literally have to snap them because they were still like attached to each other? Because mm-hmm. that was oh, how yeah. cheaply they were packaged together. <laughs> and Meanwhile, Maggie, now yeah. I'm like, I was actually looking at remote control things and I was like, oh my God, now you can get them where you can Bluetooth them right to your phone. Excellent. Oh my, yeah. Right. yeah, drones are very big on this. So if you need mm-hmm. to know your creepy surveillance or something like that. You can do this with trains and cars now apparently as well. So, you know, who knew? Oh, that, you know, these are happy memories. Um, <laughs> now, Mickey, have you made any recent happy memories with uh, with Christmas or any uh, anything else you want? Well, obviously, this is the first year that I have my baby Grant, which is, of course, my nephew. And so to say that I have gone like full Mrs. Claus would be a huge <laughs> understatement, really. <laughs> All right. So, so you guys are okay with the 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 uh, Mrs. Claus existing? Oh yes. None yes. of this because you know because was it was it college students who who was the person saying that there shouldn't Santa shouldn't have a gender? Well, and see, this is that what, Santa means saint, you know. But yeah. Yeah. Well, let's not even get into Saint Nicholas and how it actually came about. Let's just say that these people are ridiculous. And yes, there are there is a movement of, of I'm going to say a very, very small percentage of people who believe, much like the rest of the population, that Santa should be genderless. And to those people, I say we have Mrs. Claus. Like there's Mrs. Claus and Santa Claus. And then there are elves like we can't all be Santa Claus. Right. There's only one. Yeah. And yeah, I guess you know. I have always really considered myself more of an elf than anything. <laughs> and and the elves could be anything, right? right. They could, you know. Um, Except a dentist. <laughs> I think somebody had pointed out that 
you don't really see any female elves in the Rudolph special. Uh, I never paid any attention to it. They they definitely have female elves in Elf. They they do. They do. And, you know. Um... <laughs> and also Peter Dinklage in one of his best roles. I was gonna say you know, he, he elevates everything that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like again, like you know, because like, okay, so in light of that, right? You know, it, it, if they if if they made Santa genderless, mm-hmm. would we at least get rid of Madonna's Santa baby? <laughs> no, she'd probably be in it so even edgier and more, you know. Like that song, okay. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. I don't like anything that kind of, you know, like, oh, there's something kind of romantic and sexual going on with Santa. No. You don't like that? That makes you uncomfortable? You really should probably avoid the Gwen Stefani Christmas special. Okay. You make yes, it I... feel like Christmas. Um, caught it again this year. Uh, realized about halfway through that I had seen it before. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was 2017. <laughs> yeah, it was originally released in 2017, which explains, by the way, that it felt really familiar to me. <laughs> Um, all of that would make sense. Um, however, I, uh, as I, I told you a little bit about this last night, but I, I asked you to flip over and take a look at it because as we discussed, it was a peppermint schnapps, LSD, pinup girl, dream fantasy. Fantasy, occasional odd nightmarish elements of it. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. But because, it was a yeah. little trippy. All right, so we should point out, so yeah, so you have, you're able to watch all of it. Some yes. of us were forced to watch the Democratic debate and cover it. Uh, so as soon as all that was done, I click over to NBC. By the way, so obviously Gwen Stefani's on The Voice, and that's why, oh, we're going to do a Christmas special with her. Um, but Gwen Stefani may not be the first person who comes to mind when you think, you know, wholesome family Christmas-oriented entertainment. Well, and it I really kind of wasn't. Uh, no, all I could think is, like, just a girl. Gwen Stefani, yeah. no doubt Gwen Stefani would be kicking 2019's Gwen Stefani's ass. Well, I mean, maybe we all we all get older, maybe we all get a little bit softer or sentimental. But the irony is that this wasn't that soft or sentimental. No. Um, the the <laughs> giant gingerbread men, who clearly, I'm, I'm, one of them must have been Left Shark from the Katy Perry halftime. <laughs> but there you know, guys, guys, maybe girls in full gingerbread men outfits, and then girls dancing around with their baking dishes and their big spoons. Um, with some occasional, uh, you know, suggestive gestures with the. With I was the, also going to say with um with also some very 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 small outfits on. Yes, yes. Teeny they didn't want to get tiny. In case anything, in case anything splattered, Mickey. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So and then of course after Jim and I talk about this and I get him to go over and look at it because it's it is a spectacle to see and I love Gwen but it was something. Um, Jim looks up and finds out that apparently when it ran the first time. It brought up some controversy because apparently it was too sexy for TV, so to speak. And now, does that surprise you, Jim? Or do you just think that's why they ran it at 10 p.m. this time? As I say, at least you'd say, okay. And again, if you're gonna if you're gonna show it, you show it at 10 p.m. Presumably, the kids aren't at home. I just remember, wasn't this always like Michael Bublé's gig? Michael Bublé. Um, obviously, last year I watched Chrissy Teigen and John Legends, which I thought was adorable. I thought that was really well done. Um, I. I I know that they've got uh, one of those little country singers, Casey Musgrave, is yeah. doing one this year. Um, you know, but I, again, with a country singer, it kind of has makes more sense, I think. Yeah, um, like, you know, Buble clearly is doing Harry Connick Jr.'s gig. 
And, right. uh, you know, hi, I'm a star who looks like he stepped right out of the 1930s. How you doing? You know? Yes. Uh, and then, of course, you've got John Legend, who has world's that. world's sexiest am- man, according to, p- to people. Don't get me started on that. He has a people beautiful the magazine, voice. People not people, the human beings. Correct. Um, he's not. I, I, I just don't understand it, but whatever. Um, he's got a beautiful voice. He's incredibly talented. Um, and so he does a lot of Christmas songs, and he has Christmas albums. And, of course, they did the Christmas special. And this year, Jim, I don't, I don't know if you've heard it or not, but he and another one of my favorites, Kelly Clarkson, Mm-hmm. did a remake, um, well, call it a remake, <laughs> of the classic Baby I'm It's Cold guessing, Outside. Butchering would be the more appropriate term, you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, considering he changed one of the lines to, it's your body, your choice. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, first of all, like, if you want to come up with something that's, less sexually overt than <laughs> what baby it's cold outside is i don't think talking about abortion would be the way to go by the way has anyone done one in which they just reverse the have the woman singing to the man i don't know jim you're a freaking genius we should do that right like we, we you mm-hmm. know this has been on our to-do list for a long time it has we've also, discussed it dave wanted to do it years <laughs> and I, one of my ideas had been to actually no let's not make you know mm-hmm. uh you know, I, I want part of me want to make the lyrics as terrible as possible. Well, and here's the thing, though, and, and we I know we've talked about this before. I'm sure people, you know, get tired of hearing the controversy over it. But the question is to me, like, are we really that incapable of understanding nuance? Yes. And flirtation? Yes. In, in today's world, yes. That you know, like. Yeah. And that is just so sad. Yeah. Um, and again, your body, your choice. Please keep it. I just keep that. I'm going to pretend I never heard it. Yeah, you know, again, by the way, I actually, to be honest, I think the fact that people, because, you know, you and I have discussed, and people can look in the archives for a past episode, you know, what's in this drink? For mm-hmm. decades, everybody interpreted it as a, wow, this is a strong drink, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not he wants her to pass out, for good sake, for And she's sake. No, being coy. Right? It's like, this, you know, oh, that, I'm drinking this drink, and that's why I'm staying. It's not because I want... You know, a little bit tipsy to, to lower their inhibitions or, or something like that. And of course, um, you know, you and I have discussed this before. So it's not course, Bill Cosby, okay? You know? No, he's not dropping quaaludes in their drinks. And more to the point, I think it's really important to remember that this was a song that a husband and wife wrote as they used to close out their big Hollywood parties when cocktail parties were a thing. There this you go. is how they would close it out at night. So it was written by a husband and wife already. Better and they than used that. to perform it at the end of their parties. Uh, by the way, speaking of cocktail parties, Mickey, uh, mm. just kind of an update to to our most recent episode. Um, so if you want to take, what would it take to get Jim, who does not drink a lot of gin? Oh. Uh, what would it take him to go out and purchase gin? Well, you do the Peloton ad, uh, Peloton girl, the poor woman who looks like she's being, you know, forced to use the exercise bike and and, you know, recording something more nervous than a hostage film. And then we, we discussed in the last episode that, you know, Ryan Reynolds and his company Aviation Gin went out and found the actress and cast her in a, a follow-up ad that was hilarious. Brilliant. Between that uh, and him being funny, talking about it on Jimmy Fallon and other kind of stuff, I actually went out and on my desk right now, I will actually you know, hold it up to the microphone. That is that is the bottle of Aviation Gin. Uh, nice. 
So, you know, I just, if you're maybe all the controversy, it didn't work for Peloton. I'm not going out and buying a fancy exercise bike. But if you need to sell gym, gym to gym, that's the way to do it. Oh, and I, I saw a, uh, in, a, in the uh, Netflix movie Six Underground, starring Ryan Reynolds, there is a quick cut to an aviation gin on the bar, I thought, which I thought was Yes, a... yes. And have you watched that movie yet? I did. And I got to point out, so when I saw the, the commercials for this started, like, yeah, let's say about a month ago. Yeah, I think like, so. Like, oh, that looks, that looks pretty good. Maybe I'll, maybe if I can sneak, get to find the time to sneak out to the theater, I will do it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I didn't have to because, oh, by like, you know, just as they did with the Irishman, it was in theaters for a few weeks and then it came to Netflix. I thought it was going to be one of those kind of deals. No, no, no. Came straight to Netflix. Went out and I enjoyed it. So first I'll ask you, Mickey, uh, I thought this would be kind of up your alley. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you think of Six Underground? I loved it. Okay. Um, I will begin by saying I loved it and then I will follow up with some some criticism. Okay. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I felt initially... Like, it was Ryan Reynolds being allowed to play Deadpool in real life. Yes. Um, which kind of mellowed out throughout. Um, but I thought that the characters were fantastic. His team is great. Um, I actually enjoyed all the kind of cheeky comedy worked into the action part of it. Um, it was all Michael Bay all day with the explosions <laughs> and the CGI. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the setup, but I will tell you this. I hope they've already made another one because I have questions. Mm, okay. Um, I, I would agree with just about everything you said uh, in this. What? Uh, first, yeah. That never that. happens. <laughs> Get it? It's a good thing we record this. Um, so yeah. So first of all, this is Deadpool without the scars. Yes. Um, and you could complain about that, except I really like Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. Same, so, don't know, care. <laughs> right? Snarky, sarcastic, you know, um, the first 20 minutes or so with that car chase, first 30 minutes, um, not only was it really good, it was really kind of the vibe I was going for with uh, Between Two Scorpions, still available at Amazon. Uh-huh. Uh, it just said, you know, you have your team, each one's got a specialty, they don't necessarily all get along perfectly, um, they, they sometimes bite off a little more than they can chew. This, that was all what I was, you know, going for right there. And it was, it was, you know, um, I actually had a chance to talk about this with my, my former colleague, uh, Jonah Goldberg earlier this week. And he said, you know what I love? I love a car chase scene in which they're actually hitting pedestrians. Oh my God. There was a moment. Yeah. Where it was like, this is Grand Theft Auto and Deadpool and a little bit of Ocean's Eleven all mixed into one. It is, uh, it, it is, you know, there, sorry. It was one. Of, it was also the the most. It was directed by Michael Bay, and so I'm sure you know some people are like. Uh, some people are like, yeah. Uh, it is the Michael Bayest Michael Bay movie ever made. Oh, absolutely. I think I, that's exactly what I thought. And again, this is why I would say girls. Yeah, it was. You know, maybe top to could have toned it down a little on the editing, as usual. He always needs more editing to me. Yeah, he had it to the everyone. blender. I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, but oh my good God, it was the, it was the bayest of Bay movies that has ever been made. What you said, you said you have questions, I guess, before we go to those, what does, did anything not work for you? There were a couple things, and this is where the questions, I guess, kind of come in is that they explained how he was connected to some of the team members, Mm -hmm. but he did not explain how he was connected to some of the others. Yeah. The doctor just is there, right? Yeah. Like we don't know where she came from. We don't really know where he picked up number two either, two or five. Which one is number two? Two is the CIA chick. 
Yes, correct. Right. So yeah. that those were my major questions. This was like I felt like that was a missed opportunity to introduce all of the characters because for some reason they spent the time introducing yeah. half of them and then didn't bother to tell you how he met the others. And like I said, that's what made me think they've already got a plan for three. Mm-hmm. Like I three say, movies. Yeah. I loved the first 30 minutes, let's say. Uh, th- first 30 minutes are five stars. Wow, this is going to be a rollicking ride. Rest of the movie is about four stars. It's still mm-hmm. really good. Um, I think it is difficult to pull off pathos. It is difficult to pull off anything heavy of, you know, this is the life we've chosen. Now we have right. to accept it. You know, um, and when you're in, when, when first of all, when it's all being done by Ronald Reynolds, you mm-hmm. know, basically playing Deadpool and the Michael Bayest Michael Bay movie of all time. Like I, I, you can't really change gears and talk. Oh, oh, and a chemical weapons attack that clearly was inspired by real life stuff in, in Syria. Yes. There's a part of me that's like, ah, don't, don't bring me heavy stuff. Just tell me he's a bad guy and go start shooting at him. I, I you know. Yeah. I can Got- see that. I can see that. But again, I feel like that was their way of kind of bringing some weight to it because without that, it would have floated right away. Probably. And, you know, and yeah. And, you know, it was a little bit of explains why everybody is so motivated to get this guy and why they're willing to take these crazy choices. and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it, Look, it, it, it worked. But again, I, I, the, the, I guess the other phenomenon that I just we should, you know, mention before we move on to another topic is just that sense of like the relief of, oh, it's on Netflix. And, oh, my God. It was amazing because, I, again, it was one of those movies that, I, you know me, I never go to the movies to see things. And so I see it and I'm like, oh, that looks like something I'll have to watch for on demand, like, you know, six, ten months down the line. And to open up Netflix and see that it was there, that was a little Christmas surprise and special for me. There you go. And, you know, that, that, you know this is this might be the moment where. The, the you know the really good stuff maybe it was the Irishman maybe you know the idea where all of a sudden maybe if you because I think they said like 30 million people have seen Klaus so far mm-hmm. Netflix only releases the numbers it's really good right if they don't right, tell you how always. much it was we don't yeah. know. Um, but you know maybe the, there's more you know may you know, clearly Ryan Reynolds has no issue with going out and making a movie for Netflix clearly Martin Scorsese who we talk you know maybe it makes sense at some point movie theaters might this this might really hurt movie theaters in a way that previous streaming services have not but uh i would agree with you um i will only say that there will always be a market for people who want to go and have that full experience because you know there's certain movies that you want to see on that giant screen regardless of even if you have a 70 inch at home right like you want to see some of those special effects on a big screen um, but yeah, I think this is definitely going to affect theaters. I mean, they were already not necessarily in the best spot. So, you know, it, yeah. it, it's interesting, it, but then there's the marketing theory that more people in the market is good for the market. Certainly, because, yeah, certainly for a long while, you know, look, we, we, I have a sneaking suspicion that one of the arguments, oh, we're in the golden age of television. Well, some of that comes from Netflix having a ton of money and wanting to bring, you know. Mm-hmm. Needing to create original content to get subscribers. So all of a sudden, you can't just, ah, we'll throw crap up there and, you know, enough people will sit through it and we'll have commercials. Netflix doesn't worry about commercials. Mm-hmm. Netflix, is, you know, Netflix, it's got to be good enough for you to sit and, and watch through it. So, um, uh, no, but, yeah, I definitely think that there's something to that. And, and God bless Netflix for bringing those things like Klaus and, and, um, and Mary Happy, whatever. I do want to mention real quick on that sitcom, if you do end up watching it, please note that the character Joy, 
is by far my favorite, and I would like to be her best friend. She okay. makes me laugh. Every time she hits the screen, I laugh. So there you okay. go. Uh, okay, speaking of, so if there are very few things you're like, oh, I got to watch network television for this. One one of the one of the things, and as of this recording time, we have not seen it. It uh, goes up tomorrow. Um, Eddie Murphy is coming back to Saturday Night Live, which he famously left on not so great terms, mm-hmm. uh, to host Saturday Night Live this this coming Saturday. And I may very well stay up for it, um, both out of you know sheer respect for Eddie Murphy as a performer, and you know this is like the first time in which somebody hosting Saturday Night Live feels like an event. Am I wrong, McKee, or? Oh, no, no, you're right. Um, I think that, you know, and it may not be an event for everyone, but certainly anyone who's a fan of Eddie Murphy, like we are, I think that seeing him back on that Saturday Night Live stage is just something that we, one, weren't necessarily sure was ever going to happen because he and Lauren Michaels do not get along to this day, is my understanding. Um, But I'm excited about it. I'm going to DVR it regardless. Um, because we have Christmas parties that night, and so you know, I have no idea how it's going to end up. But <laughs> you, may, you you may be vertical, you may be horizontal, but <laughs> right, like I have no idea what's going to happen with that. But what I do know is that, um, yeah, what I do know. Are you being attacked by birds? I keep I keep hearing it's my tweet. phone. It's my I phone. figure as much. It, yes, terrible birds are terrible yeah. birds calling me, blowing up my phone right now. Um, <clears throat> but again, I apologize for the distraction and. We'll just say I am going to DVR it. It is something that I absolutely will see if I'm up and sitting near my either my iPad or I have my phone on me. I will definitely be tweeting about it. I think it is one that everyone should probably be out to see now. I say this and watch it suck. Um, <laughs> but I just trust that Eddie Murphy can pull his way through even with this terrible cast around him. <laughs> well, I was say, first, okay. The first, okay, so here's my first thought. I'm going to, you know, the, the declaring Saturday Night Live dead and then declaring Saturday Night Live reborn uh, has basically been a, you know, a habit of the uh, entertainment media for the last, you know, I guess we're coming up on 40 years. Uh, mm-hmm. this, you know, 44, probably coming up on 45 soon. Um, I think, so you and I have talked about how much we've enjoyed the debate sketches and, mm-hmm. you know, that there's a certain, um, I saw more people forward. Do you see, happen to see the parody of the Macy's ad they did last weekend? I did not. Okay. The gist is all those lovable. You know, first of all, it was the most family-focused or parent-focused ad. Because uh, there's a lot of you watch a lot, a lot of Saturday Night Live sketches, and you're like, this is being made for some 23-year-old in Brooklyn. Hipster, oh yeah, that's right? like 95% of their skits. And it's not just the politics. That. It's it's a reference. It's just a whole frame of you know they're making fun of something that I haven't seen, and it's not that funny if you haven't seen the all kinds of you know. This one was about you know parents who are trying to get cute you know uh, uh, you know outfits for their kids for the holidays, mm-hmm. and all of them have some sort of consequence you know uh, little shoes that will pinch their feet and make them complain you know it, it, is, <laughs> it is worth it. The absolute best part was Keenan Thompson who very quick very quietly turned into the the uh, the elder statesman of SNL. Well, because he what says, else is he gonna do? He's a uh, terrible yeah. actor. Well, okay. He he works for the he works in this because he's basically you know, like, you know we now have big puffy coat you know coats and jackets for your children. They'll make it impossible to put them in their car seat. So finally, he can't do it. Closes the door on the child, turns around, and he just screams bleep. <laughs> and, you know, and he just you know he just lets out all of that fury. Then he gets you know he opens up That's the door. That's hilarious. Okay, buddy, let's try this again. <laughs> 
<laughs> am I saying I've been there? Yeah, I've been there. Um, yes. So that you know, so it's been better, right? So you know, and the other thing would be kind of interesting. First of all, if nothing else, Eddie Murphy is going to kick tail in, in the monologue. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be stunned if he doesn't you know, have other people, you know, rolling in the aisles and, and peeing themselves over that. Well, also, what I think about Eddie Murphy is that, like, yes, this is Saturday Night Live, but like, they, I hope that they all do realize he is going to ad lib. Oh yeah. Well, that's yeah. So here's the, so if if you feel like Saturday Night Live has gotten politically correct, if you feel like Saturday Night Live has gotten social justice warrior. It's gotten woke. It's got only a certain number of areas that they're comfortable making fun of, and it starts to get kind of predictable and and all that kind of stuff. Eddie Murphy is there's nothing safe about him, Mm-mm. right? And so the idea that you know the, the possibility that he would say something that would just shock the bejesus out of the rest of the cast, it's a it's a possibility. You know, we we, we it's, it's for the first time in a long time it feels unpredictable. They are juggling with nitroglycerin. Nobody really knows how it's going to work out. You know, there's some. There's this some, brings uh, me joy. Right? This you sparks know. joy. Joy to the world. See, <laughs> all in the Christmas spirit. Because who cannot wait? Raise your hand. Who cannot wait to see what Eddie Murphy does on SNL? That's the whole thing. And I think that's what it used to be. Yeah. Oh, oh you know, and again, maybe in a culture that is fragmented as ours. You're never going to get back to that, um, to what it was in the 70s or even in the 80s or anything like that. But just, just the sense of like, hey, did you see that? You know, that that sense, it's going to turn, they're going to turn out something so funny that, and it, you know, and it, it won't be into a, oh, I laughed, paused, I, I, I clap, I, I had clapter throughout that. Right. So. I, I'm, I'm curious, and and again, I think it'll be I think it'll be very interesting. As I said, you know, he's got coming to America coming out. I told you and our peeps about um, Arsenio Hall's stand up that's available on Netflix. Definitely, if you have time, catch that. It's not for the kids, still so funny. Um, so if you have time over the holidays, definitely make that on the list. And again, you know, I I'm looking forward to Saturday Night Live. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to spending time um, not at work, not doing work, and actually spending time with the family. I know you've got people coming in, and uh, we want to wish everyone who's been listening to us this year a very very Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year. Um, we will try to get to you before the new year, but there are no promises here because this is T-Jams. And I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Jim and Mickey Show. You can find and listen to this at SoundCloud. I would recommend or iTunes or really any podcaster that you use, podcaster that you use, but I would suggest that you go ahead and subscribe and that way you'll never miss an episode of T-Jams. Our show, the one, the only, Jim and Mickey show.